Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Oh, hey there, Scoobies. It's me, Kristen, speaking before Jenny, because Jenny's not here. As of this recording, she's in Los Angeles about to play her last show on the West Coast with friend of the pod, Rishi Hereway, and then she'll be back. But for now, I'm up in the intro all alone. Sometimes it's really fun when that happens. Who knows? I have no idea. I didn't even write anything down on paper. I'm just here talking about my feelings. I've been given free license to do whatever I like. First of all, we have not one, not two, but three live shows coming up in this, the back half of the final season of Buffering the Vampire Slayer. On June 11th, we'll be in Philadelphia doing a live taping of Storyteller. Did I buy a camcorder to make a video while we're doing the live recording? Yes, in fact, I did at World Cafe Live in July on the 23rd and the 24th. Two nights, that's right. It's a Dirty Girls weekend in Chicago at Lincoln Hall. We will be doing a live taping of the episode Dirty Girls on Sunday. And on the Saturday that precedes it, we'll be doing a Buffy and Faith variety show, including first time ever live performance by Jenny Owen Youngs and Jess Abbott playing the roles of Buffy and Faith singing Bad Girls, singing Faith, Hope, and Trick, singing the maybe already written, probably definitely already written, Dirty Girls, and some other fun stuff. Will Jenny and I do the PowerPoint again, explaining what happened in the missing hours between the vampire nest and dancing at the bronze in Bad Girls? Yeah, we will. And of course, on September 17th and 18th, we'll be in New York City at Brooklyn's Bell House doing our very last taping ever. It is sold out, but we will be adding a virtual option for those of you who did not get tickets and for those of you who just are too far away to be there in person. But save the date on the 17th and the 18th. The 17th, Jenny's going to play our favorite buffering songs with a full band for the first time ever. And on Sunday, we're going to tape a little episode known as Chosen. You can find all of the information, and there are still tickets to the Saturday night of Chicago's weekend and to Storyteller in Philadelphia. Not too many, just a few. So if you want them, scoop them up. All right, now Jenny always does the Sexual Tension Award winners, but she's not here. Ha, ha. So I will tell you the winners from season seven, episode 12, potential. All right. I mean, this was a this was a sweep, a full sweep, as well it should have been. In fourth place, Amanda and that guy, uh, which was the guy whose shins Amanda kicked, I believe, only came in at 3%. I think that guy was probably lobbying against getting kicked in the shins anymore. So he, at least someone won in this loss. 10% of the vote to our third place pairing. Dawn and Amanda taking a little walk on the sidewalk and bumping into each other. In second place, Buffy and Spike. Spike's little belly. Just just a little graveyard tumble. They got 15%. That's low for Spuffy. But you want to know why? It's because somebody else was in that graveyard watching them. 
feel attracted to each other. And her name was Rona. And she said, that's hot. And then she licked her lips. And for those actions, she won with 72% of the vote. It is Rona and Spuffy. And you know what, Rona? I'm mailing you all three trophies because, man, that was good. And before we get into the killer in me, oh my God, what a jaunt of an episode. I should tell you that today's song is sung from the perspective of one Willow Rosenberg voiced by our Willow, Bess Rogers. So get excited for that. Or I don't know, get a box of tissues out. It's really sad. But thank you as always to Bess for being, oh my gosh, just the absolute best voice of Willow that anyone could have ever hoped for. I have one quick email before we roll into the episode. Uh, Ava wrote to us, title is Bunsen Burners. We had a long conversation about how perhaps eighth graders should not be left alone with Bunsen Burners. Here's an example of why, Ava says. Okay, so this isn't lighting a cigarette with a Bunsen burner. However, in eighth grade physical science, we did an experiment with cotton balls and different chemicals where we soaked the cotton in a chemical and then lit it on fire using the Bunsen burner. Each chemical made a different colored flame. Cool. After we lit it, we were supposed to drop the cotton ball in the sink and do the next one. Usually, the cotton balls would drip chemicals on the counter on the way to the sink. At one point, our lab group held the flaming cotton ball too close to the drips of something on the counter and lit the whole counter on fire, like fully on fire. In literal seconds, our lab table was flaming. Luckily, the table itself wasn't flammable. But it did happen to be covered in very flammable liquid. We ended up putting the fire out with our water bottles. But in conclusion, we definitely shouldn't have been using them in eighth grade. <laughs> My favorite part of the story is not the cotton balls. It's not the big fire. It's the, it's the image of a bunch of eighth graders all squirting their water bottles on the fire that they have caused in a classroom doing exactly as they were instructed by the physical science teacher. Anyway, um, let's go light this episode on fire, shall we? Onwards, forwards, upwards, throughwards to the killer in me. And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with the only two gals I'd definitely never cast a penance malediction nice. upon, nice. Angel on Top. <laughs> I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo, and this week we are talking about Buffy Season 7, Episode 13, Lucky 13, The Killer <laughs> in Me. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. The Killer in Me was written by Drew Z. Greenberg, directed by David Solomon, and originally aired on February 4th, 2003. Honestly... Fantastic fucking job, Drew Z. Greenberg, in my opinion. I think that this is a... Hmm. And I know I didn't finish the intro yet. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's old hat, you know? I got it, Jenny. Don't panic. 
But I will say that <laughs> I just thought, I, I mean, I don't know a ton about uh, script writing, but this just felt so well put together to me in the way that it was like paste and everything. I just thought, you know, maybe this is like a script that you give to somebody to say, like, if you're learning how to write a script, try this one. <laughs> but we should ask our nemesis about that because they know a little more mm. than we do. Um, this is the one, according to IMDb, where after Willow and Kennedy share their first kiss, Willow is transformed into Warren, the man she killed last year. When she sets out to find help, she bumps into an old friend. Ooh, I have a song for the old friend. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Thank God that Amy is back because I really missed the fucking boat on playing that song for her while she was an actual mm -hmm. rat in the cage. So anyway, <laughs> the description continues. Meanwhile, Buffy searches for answers when Spike's chip causes him great pain and the gang suspect that Giles may really be the first. A lot going on in this one. Listen to these previously ons, okay? Yeah. <laughs> previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the first wants to end the Slayer line. Spike was recently a sleeper agent. Amy existed. Professor Walsh and Riley Finn and Hostile 17 and Warren shooting Tara and Willow skinning Warren mm -hmm. and Kennedy saying, you better not hog the covers. <laughs> One of these things does not have the dramatic weight yeah. that the other things have. Yeah, I don't think we needed that in the previously on. I don't think we needed it. I think we could have put two and two together. Uh, but but yeah, my notes for the previously on were like, let's recap on exposition. The potential is the first. Spike has a chip. And then it's just Amy, Riley, Warren, Tara. So Kennedy already put two and two together for everybody. She's just walking around with a four trying to <laughs> wave it in your face. I have some um, behind the scenes intel that I gathered from a very secret source called Buffy Wiki uh, that I wanted to share in like just because okay so clearly this is the one where Willow is Warren and Warren is Willow and and we're getting a ton of scenes which we'll talk about in detail where it's Willow but also she's appearing as Warren and then Warren starts to like overtake Willow so then there's more Warren in the Willow anyway um, I read <laughs> I read, and maybe you picked this fact up as well, Jenny, that um, every scene with Willow and Warren was filmed twice, once with Allison Hannigan playing Willow and again with Adam Bush as Willow. And then whichever actor performed the scene first depended on how Willow Warren was supposed to be. So like in the beginning half, I mean, I don't know if that's the correct measurement, but basically when there's more Willow than there is Warren, Allison Hannigan would do the scene first and Adam Bush would watch Allison Hannigan do the scene and try to imitate her to the best of his ability. And as Warren takes over Willow, Adam Bush would do the scene first and Allison Hannigan would watch. And apparently it was like very like they had to do these scenes 
over and over and over again to get the precision that the director slash, you know, everyone was after. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth Ann Allen, Amy, uh, was quoted as saying everything had to be so exact. Uh, if Allison or Adam gestured or moved their head differently from the other person, they had to do the take all over again. The scene she was talking about took them a day and a half to shoot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was interesting and fun. I especially like the idea that when there was more Willow, Allison went first. And when there was more Warren, Adam went first. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we are. I was so tired <laughs> watching this episode uh, earlier today. I've, I've had a very sleepy week, so we'll see what it does for me as a host of a podcast. But I was so tired when I started taking notes that the location of this scene is Giles. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so in the summer's uh, living room. Uh-huh. I corrected it. Don't uh, worry. I do have the right information. <laughs> uh, we're finally... Here's here is the payoff of the stuff we've been seeing uh, in previous episodes. Giles always with his hands in his pocket, not hugging Buffy. Giles not touching, you know, opening the door for himself uh, when he first arrived. Like, all of the stuff they've taken such great care to have Giles never touch anyone or pick up, move anything mm -hmm. is all getting paid off in this episode. And we see a little bit more of it here when Giles asks Don to run Vi's notebook out to the car. Mm -hmm. So he is not picking something. He's notably not picking something up. And also Xander comes in leaving the door open for uh -huh. Giles to walk out of, you know. And also conveniently, Giles' California drive. license lapsed. <laughs> so uh, Molly and Rona... Or fighting over who's going to drive first. Yeah, and Molly winds up in the trunk uh, in this fight, which which made me have a yes, Rona, a, a good laugh because I have only in my life put one human being inside of a trunk, and it was to surprise Jenny for her thirtieth birthday, and it was her friend. Oh, yeah. Whose name is Molly. So Oh my God. I know. So I was like, wow, Molly's. Wow. They just have a way of winding up in trunks. Molly's love to be in the trunk. <laughs> Molly, Jenny's friend, also pretty compact, able to fit very well in a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, in case you're wondering why I made her hide in a trunk, it was because we were going to um like an Airbnb. It was before there were Airbnbs, but you know, something of the equivalent. And uh she had flown all the way from California to New York to surprise Jenny. So I told Jenny to put like the suitcase in the trunk. And when she opened the trunk, Molly was in there. It was really great. It was a good moment for me and Molly. Filming me. <laughs> uh, well, Kristen, you're tired. You know who else is tired? Sarah Michelle Gellar's poor little throat. Dude, I know. In this scene. When I woke up this morning, my voice has gotten a little bit better. But when I woke up this morning, I was like really hoarse. And we've talked a little bit in pod. Uh, probably we'll talk a lot more in, a, you know, the book that we're writing <laughs> uh, about how our life has paralleled Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So when I woke up croaking like a frog and then she opened her mouth and was croaking like a frog, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Also, two episodes ago, when we met Botox's eye, my eye, my right eye twitched for two entire weeks. So I just am saying it's cre it's getting creepy <laughs> around here. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's sleepy. She's tired. Giles is taking the potentials out to the desert, uh, I guess, on a Senea vision quest. Yeah, which is right? interesting because how do they know that Senea like it worked for Buffy because that was like part of being a slayer but <laughs> i guess they're trying 
I guess they're trying. I guess they're trying. I don't know. I mean, the the truth is, is that they didn't have the budget to have the potentials in every episode. So this was like uh-huh. the way that they dealt with that was like, they'll go to the desert <laughs> and uh, they're yeah. already in the car. There you are. Yep. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and Kennedy, of course, can't go because she, she's uh, sick. She's, she's so far too sick. So to go on sick. Field trip. She has her sick suspenders <laughs> on and her sick leather jacket on. <laughs> so sick. Giles. Giles, so like he's already so over this trip that has not yet even begun. He's like, oh, God, I'm going to end up singing campfire songs as if this man doesn't already have his little acoustic guitar in the car. Yeah. The lady doth protest too much. Yes. He's so freaking excited. He's like, does anyone know any Indigo Girls? Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I would like to state for the record that Giles is wearing yet another different kind of jacket. Like he had a corduroy jacket on an episode or two ago, and now he's wearing like a jacket that has like a shearling collar folded over. And I would like to state that I think Giles is getting some. I think Giles is dating someone. I think he's having oh. some feelings for someone. I think so. He's jacket shopping. He's he's looking. He's just looking like a guy who's feeling good about you know, his love life. That's what I just feel. Yeah. I just feel it yeah. in my bones. Good for him. So Giles is off to the desert with the potentials. Uh, and left at home are Kennedy and Willow, Spike and Buffy. And then our favorite growing uh, closer everyday quartet, <laughs> Anya, Xander, Dawn, and Andrew. <laughs> uh, the squad. So in the basement... We learned that Spike, I think we learned, I don't think we knew this, that Spike is keeping himself chained if he's not with Buffy. That, like, that's his, that's his, like, safety policy. Is like, I know you could make sure that they were safe if you were there, but if you're not, then what if I do something bad? But hey, if he's, okay, in order for it to be effective, the keys have to be out of his reach. So every time he has to, like, get up to go to the bathroom, he has to get somebody to come let him out. But then that could be a trap. Kristen, I don't think this this it's not uh, foolproof, method but it's better is without its flaws. It's better than a free range spike, I think. Okay, I think. Yeah, yeah. And maybe he like, I mean, he he maybe he like pees in a vessel and then empties it when he has to poop, and so that's embarrassing. Oh because my god! The only time he has to tell them that he needs the keys is when he has to poop. So, Kristen, this podcast is not. For this kind of talk, I I just stared into Jenny's eyes because I knew that she would absolutely never ever talk to me after I said the word poop about the word poop. But I'll stop. You have to stop saying <laughs> what you're saying. This okay. is my podcast too. Okay, so the chip is malfunctioning. That is a short oh, fucking no. shelf life for a fucking chip. The initiative. His poor okay? little head. I mean, like it lasted for what a few years. That's they could have built it maybe a little better. They have like billions of yeah. dollars, you know. Uh-huh. But the chip is malfunctioning, um, and it's causing a ton of pain. I mean, we we go into the credits from Spike just screaming um, as this chip is zapping him from the inside of his head. Yeah. Poor Spike's noggin in this episode. Ugh, yeah. Especially because we know, I mean, 
really everybody on this show is pretty tough. Um, and so when you know when you know a character or a person is pretty strong and tough and like won't really even whimper if they're in massive amounts of pain when they are just screaming their fucking head off like that is a different kind of measurement than when like I would maybe scream my head off you know Uh although I'm pretty Uh tough too so okay anyway in the kitchen in the kitchen Willow's like I'm taking Kennedy some tea and Buffy's like That's like literally exactly how Sarah Michelle Gellar delivers that line as well. It's really good and it's really cute because we don't get like we haven't gotten a ton of Buffy Willow around like Willow's queerness that hasn't also been like touching uh, trauma or, you know, or coming out yeah, like fraught in some way. Fraught, right. Like like we we haven't gotten to see them just like play around with it. And this is one of the first times we get that. It's really fun and cute. Um, and Willow is is just protesting. It's just tea. Uh, <laughs> like, and the scene ends. And I, I don't know if we have to talk about in the middle of the scene. Uh, but the scene ends with Buffy being like, have fun delivering the tea. Buffy <laughs> is Jenny Owen Young's in this scene. <laughs> what? Um, and Willow is like, D- don't say it dirty like that. Uh, it's just tea. <laughs> It's never just tea. Up in Willow's room, Willow's trying to deliver this tea, but her patient is up and out of bed and putting boots on. She's fine. She's clothed. And she, quote, has her own mission. She looks great. Her mission is to go on a date with Willow to the bronze. Yes. Kennedy understands work-life balance, okay? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's healthy. It is healthy. And, like, she's like, I don't even, like, why are we going to the desert, okay? Just, who, uh, she just wants to go on a date. She wants to have a moment. And you know what? It's good (laughs) because painting with a very large brushstroke, she wants to go on a date with Willow. Maybe you're like, what? that's irresponsible, Kennedy. You should be working right now. But maybe Kennedy is like, if we're always working, we can never deal with our feelings. And feelings are important, too. And Willow processes trauma that she has needed to process for a really long time, which, guess what, will make her better fighting evil because she's not carrying this weight of all this trauma on her shoulders. So points to Kennedy for understanding that feelings matter just as much as quests. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay, so there they are. The mission begins at the bronze. Uh, And Jenny and I, it seemed from before we hit record, have different takes on this scene. There's a moment when it goes uh, off the rails for me. But uh, in the beginning, I am so here for this. I think Kennedy is showing up in a way that lets us know because Kennedy has shown up really strongly, right? Like she's been very overtly flirtatious with Willow. And um, I think she shows us in the beginning of this scene that she also can be gentle and soft and kind and compassionate and like can be soft around places that are tender to Willow. Um, and, And I think that that's important. I think that it sets us up for all the rest of the things to come. But let's talk about what happens. Well, I just want to preface talking about this scene and the rest of this episode by saying that I was watching this episode and all of season seven for the first time on DVD. Mm -hmm. And I think I was like home from college on a break or something. And I watched this episode with my parents, (laughs) not knowing what was going to happen. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) 
Uh, so I feel like I was more like, uh, I'm like more yucked out by this than is really necessary. Yeah, that makes uh, a lot of sense. Because I have my own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, <laughs> wow, that's good context. I was like, Kennedy, could you be cool, please? My parents are here, yeah. actually. <laughs> so she starts by, like, Willow wants to leave. Willow is, like, un- unsure if she's even ready to engage in this. And she's right to be unsure because, as we see, she was not quite ready. But this is part of the process. Kennedy says you're sexy when you pout. It's nice. It's is like, Willow pouting? I mean, she's not pouting, but she's, like, grumpy, which I feel like is the <laughs> same as pouting. You know, like, stop okay. being so grumpy. But also you look sexy. Um, I just, I love this. I love this because Willow... Tara and Willow had a particular kind of love and it was powerful and wonderful and beautiful, but often it was not like presented as sexy. You know, we got a couple of great moments, um, but most of them were coded as magic. Uh, And I just I think it's just really nice for me as a person to see someone call Willow sexy and to tell Willow that like later in this scene, Kennedy is like, have you seen you like Kennedy is just so comfortable, clearly saying you are so attractive to me. I would like to touch you and kiss you. And I think that that's really good for Willow. I mean, she's got to turn into Warren and turn back again. But like, I just think it's good. And Jenny, just because you're uncomfortable with overt displays of affection doesn't mean that they are not healthy. (laughs) Uh, Primarily when my parents are around, okay? Yeah, that's fair. I would also be uncomfortable. I would be uncomfortable right now in the year 2022 if my parents were there. So... Okay, so they have this conversation that I think is fantastic. And uh, the writer of this episode of television is gay. Uh, So great, because I think that that's the only reason that we get some conversation that feels, at least to me, very real. Um, First of all, they begin immediately with Kennedy being like, how long did you know you were gay? And then Kennedy does something that I find very great, which is Willow's like, I never, how did you, what did you? And (laughs) Kennedy corrects and says, okay, all right, how long have you known that you like having sex with women? I don't have to put a label on you. I I just am getting the vibe that you like to have sex with women. So how long has that been going on for? Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Willow is basically like, but like, how do you know? Like, how do you not not only like, how do you know that I was uh, interested in maybe kissing you? But how do you know if somebody else is is queer? How do you know? And I I don't know if you know this about me, but I've spent the better part of my adult life uh, answering questions for LGBTQ (laughs) IA communities, advice (laughs) questions. And this is a big one. Okay, this is a really big one, especially for people who are newly out. Like, but how do I know? And I thought that Kennedy's response was great. So let's hear it. It's like flirting in code. It's using body language and laughing at the right jokes and and looking into her eyes and knowing she's still whispering to you even when she's not saying a word and that sense that if you can just touch her just once everything would be okay for both of you that's how you can tell or if she's really hot, you just get her drunk, see if she comes on to you. 
Jenny and I had a really interesting, I th- well, I think anyway, off mic conversation about the way that Kennedy ends this because she ends it by saying, or you just get her drunk to see if she comes on to you. In 2022, that's a little, you know, I think it gives all all parties a pause. But I was also alive and flirting and dating uh, in the year 2003. And I can tell you that no one would have fucking batted an eye at this idea because it was just part like it was before most of us understood (laughs) how that could be perhaps uh, a little problematic. So I just want to like acknowledge that, that like maybe you watch it now and you're like, oh, that's not cool. But this was um, not uncommon to be like, well, I'm not sure if she likes me or not, but we're going to go out and have a few drinks and then like I'll have a better sense of how she feels. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, especially as a, especially as a queer person, and maybe I will regret saying this, but like as a queer person, um, especially newly out, it like for me, it would often take me like going to a bar and having a drink to feel comfortable enough to be more of myself and more, um, I don't know, honest about like how I felt and what I wanted and things like that. So it was just a um, it was a different time. And we talked about things a little bit differently. And I think mm-hmm. we're in a different place now. But I think 2003, Kennedy did a pretty fucking great job at explaining exactly how you know if a girl is queer. So points to Drewzy <laughs> Greenberg and to Kennedy for, I think, knocking it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. Also points to Willow for referring to Kennedy's uh, innate knowing if people are gay as lesbidar. <laughs> Kennedy's like, oh, baby. Baby, baby. Okay, okay. <laughs> we got to start at the beginning, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, and this scene ends in, a, I think, a really nice place where uh, Willow is sort of like, it was three years ago, and it wasn't women. It was, it was one woman, uh, just one. And Kennedy says, lucky woman. And she doesn't, like, and that's what I love about this starting scene for the two of them is that like Kennedy is flirting, but she's also like when she says lucky woman, she's not saying it in a way that's like uh, overtly sexual or anything. She's like really genuinely like showing Willow that she appreciates her and respects her and thinks she's fucking awesome. And that whoever got yeah, to yeah, yeah. be with her was genuinely lucky. And I think that that's really nice. I agree. In the basement, Spike has a bloody nose. He does. Uh, And he brings up the point that, like, maybe he says, maybe I wasn't meant to last this long, Mm. i.e. maybe the initiative designed the chips to degrade in case a test subject escaped or something. Mm. It's a fail safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're trying to, like, figure out to other, like if it's degrading quicker or if it's malfunctioning because maybe because of the trigger that the first has been using on Spike or like maybe because Spike went and got a soul. There's like a lot of variables here (laughs) that the initiative probably didn't anticipate. So, um, yeah, you know, and also when he says that line, he's like another thing you and I have in common uh, to Buffy, which is just, I think that what I'm loving about season seven and this happens uh, later when Xander and Anya are the last to leave as they go to the desert. There's like a lot of moments that our core cast have with each other that have been like the cast that has been here for years and the characters who have been fighting for years together. 
where like there's this whole new influx of new people and new information. And something that I, I think it gives us that we haven't gotten as much in other seasons is like how comfortable they are with each other because of their history and how adult they've become over the last seven seasons. And I just, Mm -hmm. I really love it. And I feel like that's a lot of the moments that Spike and Buffy share in this are just like (laughs) two, two really tired people who are just like, Oh my fucking God. And the other one's like, I know. Right. (laughs) And I have, I have a deep appreciation for that. I have no idea why, but I just do back of the bronze we get a little bit of willow's like sort of relationship with her mom just a just a tiny window uh as pertains to her coming out uh willow's mom very predictably was like ah yes i'm so proud of the political statement my progressive daughter is making by being gay (laughs) Uh, yeah and then kind of didn't care after that and like didn't barely like barely met tara though i do think it's fascinating to learn that there was a dinner between mrs rosenberg and willow and tara uh, in the past we'd love to see that footage you know um but yeah and and willow has a moment this is a quick scene but um in addition to that we also have willow saying like you know my mom didn't meet tara but also tara and i are private and then she like takes a beat and she's like we were private um just really good writing it's just really good fucking writing the whole episode i was just like thinking that over and over again Mm. so in the summer's house yes spike is on the stairs and jenny is so excited because the name her favorite name in the buffy verse is about to be uttered Oh, my God. Buffy's on the phone trying to talk to you. Agent Finn. Uh, we can tell over the course of this conversation that she's appears to be calling a flower shop, which she thought was a cover for, you know, a place that receives secret ops phone calls. But now she's not so sure. Maybe it is actually a flower shop because they're just acting like they just have flowers. And she's telling them a problem with Spike's chip no his chip (laughs) what do you think they heard his dick his nip oh my god i hope it's i just defaulted to dick but i hope it's nip i hope he's a spike is having a problem with his nips so (laughs) can someone help riley's the only one who can help (laughs) (laughs) Uh, wow well buffy is on the phone uh spike is having another chip attack behind her you mean nip Um, attack uh, maybe a nip attack uh and he is in great pain yeah oh buddy yeah uh also do y'all remember when fucking riley and his scar and his wife came back to town and sam was like hey willow here's my email why are they not using the contact information provided by (laughs) sam in this episode maybe drew didn't watch that episode Um, all right. So we go back to the bronze. Uh, and I would like to say that I have never seen the film Gone with the Wind. Shocking, probably none of you. But I am adding it to my list of things to watch so that I know exactly what Kennedy is referring to when she explains that it's her route because she wanted to sweep Scarlet off of her feet. Okay. She is what a lot of people would call objectively hot. <laughs> Scarlet? Yes. 
I'm just I'm doing research right now while we're recording. I'm just looking at some pictures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. scientifically. Mm-hmm. The job and is, you know, it's a very demanding job that we have here. Yeah. We wear a lot of hats around the buffering offices. <laughs> Sometimes you have to look at pictures of a hot girl and tell the world that she's hot. So would you Somebody's would you, gotta do it, Kristen. Would you say that before you knew you were gay, if you saw this woman, you would also have wanted to sweep her off of her feet, Jenny? Um Have you uh, seen have you seen Gone with the Wind? I have not. Okay. We're gonna watch Gone with the Wind together, and then no, we'll. No, please don't make me watch Gone with the Wind. We're watching Gone with the Wind together, and then we're going to report back on if one, both, or neither of us wanted to sweep Scarlet off of her feet. Okay. I hate this plan. <laughs> cool. So at the bronze, after we learn Kennedy's route, um, we get some more flirting, more great flirting. You know, uh, Willow's like, but why, like, why do you like me? She's like, have you seen you? And then she's like, plus we like all of the same things. And then she rattles off a list of things I guess were to imagine that Kennedy likes Italian skate punk, Robert Parker mysteries and fighting evil. Only one of which is actually a thing that Willow likes. This is funny flirting. This is good, smart, witty banter. I don't know, based on the covers, I know you're not, I know you're, expressly not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but I don't have time to read the books right now. So I'm judging Robert B. Parker mysteries by their covers. And they look very like uh, your mom's book club that is actually a drinking wine club where everybody buys a book at the same time. I love this for Kennedy. I absolutely love this for Kennedy. Because Ken- that means Kennedy is like jamming out to some skate punk and then reading her romance uh, mom mystery novels. I'm telling you, Kennedy, A plus. Um, but is she saying Italian like the food, Italian like the language, or Italian skate punk? <laughs> oh shit! I didn't consider the third option. I just thought she meant like Italian the language slash culture of of okay Italians, but. Maybe she meant Italian skate punk. I don't know. I thought she paused for comma between Italian and skate punk. I think you're right. (laughs) Kristen, she says, I dig the way you always turn off the Moulin Rouge DVD at chapter 32 so it has a happy ending. How long have these girls been in the Summer's house? And how frequently is Willow watching Moulin Rouge? Also, if you're younger than a particular age, what did you think she meant when she said chapter 32? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> DVDs used to have chapters. Maybe they still do. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I just took that to mean that like in their sleepover conversations, Willow had said that she always does this rather than mm. Willow has been <laughs> watching Moulin Rouge on loop. Uh, I, I prefer that. <laughs> and so this is where, cause I was with Kennedy at every step of the way and I'm still with you, Kennedy, but this is where I lost it. Cause she says, I like the way you turn off Moulin Rouge. So that always has a happy ending. Great. I like the way you speak. This is good flirting. Then she's like, and your freckles. I'm like, oh, I love when people say they love my freckles. And then she goes lickable. And I was like, <gasps> No. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, where are they? And do you want to be licked there? I mean, and listen. Also, do you want a verbal 
harbinger. Right, right. That's also a good point. Even if you want somebody to lick your actual face, which not yucking any yums here, maybe you don't want to be told that your face is going to be licked because those are two different things, fantasy versus reality, you know? Um, uh-huh, it just was, uh-huh. it was just one step too far for me. Um, but again, not yucking anyone's yums. Um, but then she, she sticks the, the landing, I think. Um, cause she's like, I'm not, I'm not super into magic, but it matters to you. So I think it's cool. Uh, I thought you were going to dislike this because she s- says, and I quote, I'm not so into the magic stuff. Seems like fairy tale crap to me. Yeah. yeah. I don't feel like the, but it matters to you like quite undoes that yeah for me. and I will be honest I did have an issue with that until I finished the episode and then I like gave room to the writing because it is nice yeah, okay right but yeah, I, yeah. I agree when I when I first heard it and didn't realize that the like bow at the end of this episode was going to be the like second kiss turning her back and it being like a fairy tale I was like really because even not even being like what the fuck Kennedy but really just being like you're a fucking potential slayer. We've talked about this already. Like, how could you think that this is fit? How could you not? I mean, it feels like it's all kind of part of the same package deal. It's weird. Here. Um, but I do love the setup. I think it's really, really nice the way that, you know, it all comes together. So, and I think the general message of like, I like, even if you think something that somebody else is involved in or works on or whatever is like not for you but you're like it's not for me I don't really fucking get it but also it means something to you so like that makes me like want to value it I I think like the core is still powerful enough yeah yeah okay well take me back to your apartment so I'll see I didn't plan to do it it just happened stop (laughs) that okay so listen everybody ignore Kristen uh (laughs) Willow's dropping Kennedy off at her place, but it's Willow's room, but that's also where they both live, except now the girls are all out of the house, so maybe one of them is sleeping on the... It's weird. Uh, But then, never mind that, because it's time for kissing. Yeah. A good kiss. Kissing! Uh, They're kissing, and this kiss is so powerful that it makes the camera revolve around them. You know it's a good kiss when the camera's like, excuse me for one moment, I need to rotate around both of your heads a few times. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, But then, oh no. Who could have seen this coming? This kiss (laughs) is also so powerful that it turns willow into warren question mark exclamation point so talk to me about penance mm, what is it called a penance ma- malediction malediction because because what i just want to understand exactly what is meant by this okay. spell okay so well a it, malediction oh is a magical word or phrase uttered with the intention of bringing about evil or destruction a curse Penance. I know what penance is. Is voluntary self-punishment inflicted as an outward expression of repentance for having done wrong. This all makes sense. It just sort of like is weird that maybe Amy did a spell that would go off at a certain time. Like it just. Well, it's so it. But okay, here's my starting question. And I know that probably everyone knows the answer except for me and my goldfish brain. But like this is. Willow's Willow is the person who is repenting for her sins and the punishment that she has given to herself in her mind is that she is 
the the man she killed and the man who killed Tara. That is that uh-huh. is correct. The math is correct there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then I think that the trigger. I mean, I don't know that Amy understood exactly what the trigger would be. I think like. I think it's interesting because we've moved through a good amount of season seven and we've gotten a few emails about like Willow and Willow's grief and like, is it not being given the space that it deserves given the fact that she lost Tara because we've only gotten like, you know, a handful of moments with her in this grief since the start of this season. And I actually think that it is resonant and reflective of the way that people often grieve, which is not with any particular schedule, not with any particular consistency, um, and with very unknown things causing, you know, a downward spiral into feeling very, 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 very upset. And so I think that Amy probably cast this spell thinking that, like, it might just be effective immediately. But Willow's probably been doing a lot of things in her life to not have to sit with this grief all the time um, and guilt all the time. And of course, of course, when she's going to kiss somebody else for the first time, this is going to cause a massive, massive amount of feelings in her. And for her, that includes guilt. So I think that's why. I think that makes sense. I feel like usually spells in this universe have like. Yeah. They're immediate Mm -hmm. or like close to. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this is just sort of like a pop goes the weasel spell. It's like, whenever you feel bad, then the spell will go off. Sorry, you said pop uh, the weasel. Funny. And all I thought was, my toys. <laughs> my toys. <laughs> I took my toys. <laughs> um, okay, so Kennedy is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Kennedy, God. Willow goes to the mirror and is like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, then she goes down into the living room. <laughs> and Xander's is- like, oh. And Anya's like, oh. <laughs> And Kennedy's like, I'm not sure what happened. And Andrew's like, you have no power over me any longer. And Buffy just walks in and punches Willow Warren in the face. This is an amazing scene. Like, an ama- ama- it has to be up there with scenes in the Buffyverse because it is perfect. It is like the perfectly timed, perfectly chaotic, perfectly hilarious moment yeah. in this living room because also spike is like writhing on the floor like while this is all happening oh, yeah it's just there's so much chaos in the summer's living room right now and that's saying a lot because usually it is the point of chaos <laughs> once buffy punches successfully everyone's like oh it's not the first and andrew hugs willow warren from behind uh and does some bad touching. Willow says bad touching, but also I'm like, so if it is Warren, because it's Warren for Andrew. So did Andrew hug Warren by wrapping his arms around his uh, chest and holding each one of Warren's boobies? You know what I mean? Did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Unknown. Um, Uh, Willow is able to convince everyone that she is herself by threatening Xander with some other stories from kindergarten where he doesn't come out in such a nice light. Yeah, Aquaman underoos are involved. Do you think this, what do you think happened here? Uh, you know, kid underwear stuff. I don't know. So like probably, Uh, probably he pooped, probably he pooped. You think he pooped? (laughs) Could you, this little theme, could you I'm sorry, you fucking begged for that shit by the way that you fought it in the beginning. I would have never talked about fucking Xander poop. I mean, get me out of here. I would like to leave. 
So in this scene, yeah. Uh I've made a note that Adam Bush is doing a really nice Allison Hannigan impression here, and I guess we know why. Yeah, yeah, I think they do good work here. It's really, it's got to be tricky because this isn't just like an apples to apples switch, you know? Like, this is actually probably as close as Adam Bush got to just being Willow. But, like, for the majority of the episode, they're like back and forth between who they are even in the middle of a sentence you know um Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's that's tricky and i think they do a good job as well uh so willow's like convinced that she did this that like her subconscious turned her into warren (laughs) and she doesn't want anyone's help um she's like i'll fix it i did it and i'll fix it and she's out um and meanwhile spike is basically like I don't think we can fucking wait for fucking Riley to call back if he's if he even works at that flower shop because I am not well. Yeah. And also Willow's like working overtime to be like it uh something tri- triggered right. it. Something happened, but it's none of n- never mind. Never you mind. Do not look at the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Kissing the potential slayer. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't, I hate, I hate in this universe, I know, I understand it's like hard for Willow and whatever, but I hate in this universe when something catastrophic has happened and they don't share the complete information with the team. I'm like, you're just, you're doing everyone a disservice here, okay? We need all the cards on the table to help you not be Warren. So Kennedy decides she's going to go and she's going to help. She runs into Willow Warren on the street and um, is like, let me let me try to help. Um, and Willow is like, no. And Kennedy is like, okay, then let me at least tag along um, to be around. And good thing she does. Good thing. Uh, we also learn in the scene that Willow tried reversing the spell herself, but it did not work. Right. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine. 
erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now we go to the woods. I don't. I didn't know how to mark this location because it's not really the woods, but I didn't know how to describe a field of dirt, um, which is kind of where we are. <laughs> it's where the uh, secret entrance to the initiative is. Um, yep, 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 yep. Most important thing to me in this brief scene is that Buffy is wearing a denim jacket, and I like it. I would love to see the Slayer in more denim jackets. Great work, mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll endorse that. Basically, information in this scene is that Spike is after some kind of medication that will make the pain go away, and Buffy is after some paperwork that might explain more about the chip. So they're going into the bowels of the initiative. This just seems, if I may be so bold, like a bad plan. <laughs> it's true, but what else What else do they got? What else can you do? Except for they already actually tried calling the having shop. Riley's email address. Except for that. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, except for that. Uh. Okay, so back at the Summer's living room, my favorite thing ever happens. The phone rings. Andrew runs to get it. He (laughs) says, I'm supposed to get a call when the new League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comes in. I gave them this number, (laughs) which is my favorite part because it used to be like a thing. Like, you you know, if you were like staying at your friend's house for a week because your parents were out of town Uh you'd be like oh my friend is gonna call i gave them this number okay uh and xander reflexively immediately (laughs) is like can you see if they can get two because they are in love they are and then xander tries to look cool as don and anya stare him down and judge him harshly i love this yeah, and he's like, Xandru rides again. <laughs> he's like, Xander's like, loser. I'm like, you you said the other thing out loud, sir. You can't. You don't get to have two separate scenes in one room with the people who have already heard you say that you want that comic book to. So <laughs> this has very. I am now for the first time in my life on the pull list of my local comic book shop for certain comics that i want wow. to read monthly that sell out if you don't go in right away wow nerd alert yeah there's nerd a little alert. manila i don't mean to brag but there's a little manila folder with my name on it where they put my little comic books that's hot that's hot i love i love I feel very a- powerful yeah that's good stuff <laughs> <laughs> um I was going to say this gives me like Andrew being like, I gave them your number so they can call me and let me know. Very like decoder ring uh, energy from um, what's that? A Christmas story where he like calls into the radio station to get his decoder ring and they mail it to him. Like it just it just has that like general vibe of like a time when there was a lot times, Kristen, a lot more analog. Things were a lot more analog. Uh, So, hey fucking Robson didn't die can you even believe it he just blacked out Robson is gonna be so pissed when he learns that Giles took all of his different jackets before he went to New York (laughs) also Giles just left him there I know (laughs) but like he must not have right he must have like alerted some kind of medics on his way out but why but why even I don't know why not just stay until he woke up I don't know I mean have we seen 
have we seen what happened yet? We don't know what happened. So, like, who knows, you know? Who knows what Ghosty Face was doing in, in actual time, you know? Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, perhaps we'll find out. Ghosty Face. <laughs> I, just, um, I just love that, that, um, the, that the, was it a bringer? At the at the place in the yeah. England there, do you think the bringers have British accents when they're British bringers? <laughs> oh, well, they never speak. So yeah. I actually, right? They never. Yeah, speak? no, they don't. I'm speak. thinking they don't have tongues. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Um, so everyone thinks that Giles may have died. Um, and Andrew, <laughs> this is ridiculous to me. So first of all, they're like, that's a horrible thought to have. But also we are tasked with having thoughts like these so that we can try to like get to the bottom of it all. And somebody says, I think it might even be fucking Dawn. That's like, but how could we ever tell? I'm like, really? It gives Andrew the opportunity to be like, we actually can tell because the first is incorporeal. Because the first is incorporeal. Which like, good on Andrew, but also you guys yes, come. we know. We know, and they know. And if anyone knows, it's fucking Dawn. We literally ended the last episode with Dawn just studying her face off. So like, clearly Dawn yeah. would know this information. Um, I cannot believe that no one has hugged Giles this whole time. Yeah, that's pretty, f- honestly, shame on all of them. Mostly shame on Giles. Okay, fair. Uh, Andrew wants to go with them out to the desert. He's been working on a mix that he'd love to grab for the car. What do you think is on Andrew's mix, Kristen? Definitely in sync. A million times over, there's some in sync on that shit. There's probably mm-hmm. some Britney, mm-hmm. you know. There's probably some some mm-hmm. Britney, some in sync. Let's see what else is hot. It's 2003. I bet you there's some like Blink 182 on that shit too. I think I think Andrew would be like. I am so hmm. hardcore. <laughs> mm. You know? Mm-hmm. What else? Maybe like the soundtrack to, or the um, theme song for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, What do you got? All right, all right. I'm thinking it's like Michelle Branch. Ooga, nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Goodbye to You. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking <laughs> Willow's like, Nick can you Cave. stop playing that song in the house? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking Nick Cave, Red Right Hand. Oh. I'm thinking uh, Andrew's a big scream head. Love that. Uh, I'm thinking maybe a little, like, soul coughing. Oh. Um, okay, that's a little too cool for Andrew, I think. No, I think he might have stuff because it's because it's it's a uh, kind of literate. I, I don't know. And uh, one they had a song on the X Files television series oh, soundtrack. I didn't know that. So that's that's where I'm at with Andrew's mixtape. But you might be right. No, I actually think that together we crafted uh, the beginnings of what could be a beautiful Andrew mixtape. Um, mm. Soul coughing. It's just taking me. I was I was busy in my brain thinking about myself in the parking lot. I guess I was way before two thousand and three, though. This was nineteen ninety nine, maybe eight. Uh, but my roommates, you know, yeah, we didn't have a lot to do. We were freshmen in college. Like, what are you gonna do? And so we would sometimes drive my little car to this like parking lot that was always empty and just blast uh whatever the album whatever the soul coughing album was that had soundtrack to mary on it uh we would just bla- blast mm. through that whole album and dance around the parking lot like a bunch of fools and it was so i think fun. that's irresistible bliss yes yes that is correct so you know andrew has made a mix that doesn't work andrew's like don't leave me alone i might die that doesn't work and then <laughs> And he's like, don't leave me alone. I might do something evil like burning something 
or gluing things together. Honestly, probably gluing things together. <laughs> that's pretty evil. That's pretty yeah. evil. Like that's a it's a good trick and that works. He's road tripping. He's road tripping. Cut to Giles by himself staring creepily into the fire for absolutely no reason. This feels so cheap. This is like this is like when we got the principal wood shot of just him through the mini blinds, you know? Oh, just <laughs> Guys, come on. It's season yeah, seven. Just have okay? a reason. Just, just have a reason. Everybody guy. be cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, the end of the last scene, I said it already, but this is where we get the Anya Xander moment that I was referencing, which, um, you know, it's like the, the kids leave. Dawn and Andrew are out the door and they just like stop and acknowledge like all of these girls might be dead and we might be driving yeah. to find all of these dead girls. Uh, and like we're tired. <laughs> And this is hard yeah. and sad. Um, time to go to UC Sunnydale. Haven't been here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you all that I will make a fucking gif of what Jenny's fucking face did while she just paused to think about whatever you're about to say. Because it was the funniest. I've never seen someone's mouth move the way that your mouth just moved. <laughs> I'm so sorry to break this to you, but I was trying to think of a way to adapt Home Sweet Home to be, like, college-related, oh. but then I couldn't think of a word that rhymed with home that was associated with college. It so. was it was worth it for what happened to your face. Um, hmm. Are these Wiccans wearing purple glow sticks around their necks? Is that what's happening here? You know, I did not notice. Oh. I was too busy wondering if these are the individuals who were like doing the bake sale and were all like, you know, kind of inactive mm -hmm. uh, spell wise. Mm -hmm. Why would this be the place that Willow goes for help? Willow's like, I know where to go. Yeah. The people I totally blew off because they weren't doing anything real when I was. Right. What? Right. right. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't make sense i feel like she probably has a couple of other connections given her attempt at ending the world uh that yeah. might have more power than the college wiccans but i i kind of love this because i feel like the the wiccan group on campus gets their moment to be like honestly fuck off which like is it feels earned like okay so vaughn is the, sort of like it seems like she's in charge um she's like the leader of this group and because and willow makes like a cutting remark like oh i see you've moved past the bake sales and i love vaughn's response because she's like no we still have bake sales every other tuesday and like you know amy who we learn whatever is just fucking everybody over but, but put that aside for a second is like we actually don't really do the thing that you're asking us to do like this group is really focused on healing and nurturing your life force and etc and I just kind of liked it because I felt like you know but the way it was painted before I was like they're not doing real magic so fuck these people and I just liked that it gave it gave the this group of uh, magic practicers their moment to be like there's nothing wrong with having a bake sale and there's nothing wrong if our magic doesn't put up force fields you know like we're valid too Totally. Right? It just doesn't seem like no. the intuitive place for her to go for help. Not at also, all. Also, as you noted, Amy is here and Amy is like, I fucked up. I hit rock bottom. I, I've been working on things with these guys and I'm doing much better. 
Kristen, I don't under... This feels like so much more effort than I would expect Amy, as we know her, to put in to, like, prank Sinatraing Willow. She's... How long has she been coming to these meetings and, like, pretending to Yeah, be because she has, like, a deep in... relationship with them. Like, Vaughn is very protective of Amy. <laughs> I know. This feels... <laughs> funny it's a little funny it's a little you're right it's a little funny I let it slide because I thought there was a lot of good writing and I thought the pacing was great and I so I let some of it slide but you're right it doesn't make any sense for Willow to go there for help and it also makes no sense for Amy to be there at all there's there's no reason that Amy even needed to be involved like if Amy's goal was just to punish Willow and have more power than Willow then she didn't even need to be she just needed to chill do whatever she normally does as an Amy yeah, but it's fun. I like that we're back at the college and I, I love that we get uh, Vaughn and and you know who likes that we get Vaughn the most is Kennedy, it would seem from a... Oh, these two. Oh my God. These two. You know, the spell has the best chance of working if you lean into the person <laughs> you're sitting next to really tightly. I was like, I had to like take a beat. I, I like the scene. So, okay. So what happens is they walk in. Amy's like, surprise, I'm here. And I'm like all restored and I'm healthy now and blah, blah, blah. And then Willow Warren is like, okay, let's at least try. Let's let's try then. If you're willing to try, I'm willing to try. Let's see what we can do here. And then the scene cuts and they're now like now we can see them sitting as Amy and Willow Warren are going to attempt this <laughs> spell. And that's when we see Kennedy sitting basically in Vaughn's lap. It's really a moment. Yeah, Doesn't work. Spell doesn't work. Does not work. It didn't work. No, it didn't. You dumb bitch slap. <laughs> wow. Wow. That seems. Yeah. And this is uh, when like an overreaction. Yeah, this is when Willow is like, it wasn't me, it was Warren. And we're like, uh-oh, it's not just a fucking glamour because now Warren is starting to bit by bit take over Willow. It's not good. No. It's not good. It's not good. Willow does say, and this is kind of weird, she's like, oh, I'm becoming him, a murderous, misogynist man. I killed him for a reason. <laughs> Uh, this doesn't exactly jive with the no Willow's tale of redemption and no repentance. Yeah, after she talks about the murderous, misogynist man that she's becoming to Kennedy, she's like, you understand nothing about magic. And in case you hadn't noticed, our little date is over. And then she throws up a fucking shield so that she can leave without Kennedy following her. Oh my god. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to parse at this point which is Willow and which is Warren. I mean, I cuz I think this is just Willow. I think this is just like Willow has had enough and like is realizing the danger that she is in and does and and also probably remembers that like earlier in this episode Kennedy was like, "I don't really believe in magic. It's kind of like a bunch of fairy tale shit." And so Willow's like, "I cannot right now with you." You know, like you don't even you have no clue about what is happening to me or the like risk involved. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm at the initiative, all they did was seal the place up with all the demons in it. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Do you think that humans and demons decay at relatively the same rate? Probably not. Probably very different. There are probably some demons that decay at human rate, but I bet you there are some demons that never decay. Have you ever heard of a film called The Mummy? Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Jenny and Jess just showed me the mummy for the very first time. So that was like kind of relevant, but also mostly just an inside joke of me knowing a particular kind of uh, way of preserving a body. Okay. <laughs> so Oof, that mm. thinking about that mummy. So before we uh, go deeper into the initiative, we get a fun, quick scene of the road trip where mom and dad, played by Xander and Anya, are driving their kids, Andrew and Dawn, to the desert to see if they can save the potentials from the first disguised as Giles. <laughs> and oh, yeah. everyone is playing their parts. Dawn silently just trying to ignore Andrew. Andrew trying to play every fucking car game that he can think of. And Anya <laughs> saying, what are we going to do? Just a teen, an ex-demon, and two big geeks. Nailed it, Anya. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. So fucking funny. Just drag him, Anya. <laughs> okay, back in some alley somewhere, Willow Warren is crying and is really sad, but then is like, look at me, crying like a little girl, which... Makes them have an idea. Them. <laughs> they jump up and power walk away. Oh, God. Oh, God. There's a lot of layers of fucking gender shit that's happening with this back and forth. Um, mm. But for now, let me tell you how I feel about this initiative situation. And what I mean by situation is like the filming of it. It's a pretty dark scene, but I'm pretty into it. I feel like we don't get a lot of this in this series um, where it's like they're they're very like flashlighty. I have not yet seen the show The X-Files, um, but it reminded me very of The X-Files. What I've heard about The X-Files. Thank you. Yes. Um, but it's really cool. There are and actually I... four main characters of The X-Files. Dana Scully, uh -huh. Fox Mulder, and then each of their flashlights. <laughs> but this is fun, right? And the demon is it's also fun that they're like fighting a demon that doesn't have to have a big backstory i was like really yeah. into that that this is just a demon and they just need to kill him for no huge reason except for survival <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. demon's got some big fucking teeth and i don't mean the vampire kind yeah i i like this demon yeah the, what we can see of its design uh and and i think you're making a nice point it's like Oh, my God. There doesn't always have to be a reason. Sometimes right. a demon can just exist and want to eat you. Well, and like, yeah, exactly. And also, I think the darkness, because I was just um, taping an episode of Angel on Top and over in, I don't know if you guys know this, but in Los Angeles right now, there's actually not, there's no sun. So it's like, there, there's like a lot of shit going on in California right now. Okay. So just, but the, but the darkness <laughs> does a lot more for the demons than when they are brightly lit like you know Torcon, for example um oh, poor Torcon. yeah i mean Torcon had like a fucking spotlight on him but like <laughs> well yeah because it was all the better to see his top hat and cane and dance number <laughs> yeah that was a fucking layup for you right there <laughs> um but yes i just i don't know i just really like this scene yeah. So back in college, we have so Kennedy. This I'm just gonna say this episode is made up of a lot of very short scenes, just whipping around all over the place. Yeah, here. it feels natural. The pacing is good. I'm just like noticing how many uh, location markers I have. And totally. I'm like, Dang. Totally. They're just all over the place. Yeah. 
Kennedy and Amy are having a chat. Um, Amy starts by, you know, just saying she's going to be fine. It seems like you really like her. Uh, Don't worry. She was fine long before she found herself a big potential Slayer bodyguard. Oh, no. The classic villain slip up of saying something that you know that you're not supposed to know as though the person you're talking to told you, but they totally didn't. Ah! Villains need to learn to not talk. It is villains of the world. (laughs) Be cool. (laughs) Just say less. Oh, so Kennedy is like, how did you know who I was? And Amy like, like barely tries. I think you said, you know, whatever. She's like, no, I didn't. And And then then she's like, oops. Elizabeth and Alan, honestly, absolutely stunning work as usual. She is fucking great. She is great. So great. Fighting, fighting, fighting. The toothy demon gets Spike, drags him away in the initiative. And now, oh no, we're at a place that we never want to be at the gun shop in Sunnydale. Does Sunnydale have its own gun shop or you think they had to go to the town town over? Yeah, probably they do. They're ridden with demons. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Willow Warren's buying a gun and the gun shop clerk says, same model as last time? How'd that work out for you? Sir, what exactly do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. We also get a fantastic, I think, line reading of You'd Be Amazed by Allison Hannigan, which is definitely a stellar Adam Bush impression. Real good. Really good. I think that Willow wins the Willow Warren off. Willow nails Warren better than Warren ever nails Willow in this line. Hmm. Uh, Out in the desert... (laughs) With absolutely no pomp or circumstance, <laughs> Giles is tackled by all four of the squad. I love this. I love it. And him. they're all like, I feel him. I feel him too. I also feel him. This had to really tickle me on my first viewing, like back in 2012 or whenever I watched the series, because it's like one of the scenes that I remember. Like, I just think it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> the, you know what I hate, though, is this, li- this, this line that Giles... Dude, this is like, they were like, we've got a punchline. How can we reverse engineer a scene around it? It's it's so, like, clunky and It's and so, st- and not Giles. Giles really would never make this joke. Giles says, like, you think I'm... E- so, so, you think I'm evil if I bring a group of girls out to the desert and don't touch them? But um bum And it's not funny. It's fucking weird. Giles would literally never say this. And we didn't need it. The scene could have ended... What was funny was them tackling him. So I'm mad about this. I, I This is a great episode. It's written well, but I would like to have a word about this line. Okay, huge news, Kristen. Huge. Back at the initiative, Buffy kills the demon and she goes to Spike and she's like, are you okay? And then doosh, 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 the sound of many floodlights all being turned on in short order. <gasps> there are soldiers. <gasps> There's one like really cool guy who seems to be in charge. He has such a, an incredible vibe. Yeah, he does. I'm like, where, sir, were you when the initiative was really happening? Because yeah. you would have made season four more enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, and he says, Miss Summers, Agent Finn reported that you tried to contact him earlier today. And Buffy is like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> And then he says, we're to provide you anything you need to help ass face here. And Buffy like looks at him and is like, 
what? And he's like, those were his exact words, ma'am. So from afar, even though he's married and in the jungle killing demons somewhere, Riley took the time to insult Spike. I thought you were going to uh, say to flirt with Spike, but yeah, same difference. Well, some 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 people might say, what's the difference? Uh, <laughs> and I would be one of those people in this instance. Remember when they shared a bottle of whiskey? I really do. They were like under under the ground bonding. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do remember. Oh, yeah. Also, do you think Turrican is so jealous because this spotlight turn on was even better than the spotlight turn on that happened? <laughs> Uh, yes up in Turrican heaven Turrican is like what the fuck (laughs) oh god okay so Willow is walking Willow's got a gun walking with purpose yeah she's got a gentleman jack walk about her right now she's fucking she's got somewhere to fucking be don't fuck with her Mm. Uh, in the initiative, we learn that the chip has degraded and oh no, it will be fatal. Yeah. So it's up to Buffy. Should we repair the chip or remove the chip? What will she decide? Also, just a, a, a hat tip to Riley, because it is said that Agent Finn said all decisions about Hostel 17 were to be left in your hands. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's nice. And I know we were there. Like, we were we, we were there with Riley and Buffy. But it's just, like, nice. Uh, I love to see Riley trust Buffy with her work uh, as he does his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some might say he's actually a good guy. Back at college... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kennedy is like, why? Why did you do this? And Amy's like, zwap, and throws her across yeah. the room. <laughs> Amy yeets her across the room. Uh, just your standard penance malediction. We have a friend uh, named Randy who would say this fucking phrase over and over again. She loves good sounding word combination and Penance malediction is definitely yeah, a good one. I can hear it now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, why Warren and why after we kissed? Uh, and Amy, oh God, Elizabeth Ann Allen doing such a good job. She like laughs from her toes. She's like, oh, wow. Uh-huh. Could have never thought of that shit. That must have been some kiss. Uh, and she sort of explains that the person's subconscious picks their form of punishment better than she could ever think of, which is, that's a nice line. That's like a good, yeah, true thing. Uh, and she she labels this choice of Willow's subconscious as elegant. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's good. It's very good. Then Amy has this little speech about how Willow always, in quotes, had all the power uh, long before she knew what to do with it. The rest of us, who are the rest of us, had to work twice as hard to be half as good. Remember how Amy and Willow were friends for like four minutes and then Amy was a rat for a very long time and then they partied together for like a week? I'm sorry, are you suggesting that a human and a rat cannot be friends? (laughs) No, I'm just saying I don't think that they were like, was Amy trying to practice magic when she was a rat? Right, right. No, no. 
She's just mad. She's mad because, and this, what was interesting to me about this is that I feel like we've been hearing the same argument from Andrew. Like, Andrew's busy being like, Spike killed people. Why am I in trouble? Why did I, why am I the bad guy? And Amy's kind of doing the same thing here of like, we'll try to fucking end the world and I'm the one who's the bad guy. It's like, you guys, it's not necessarily limited to the actions you take. It's also inclusive of what you do after those actions happen and how you as a human and try to uh, make amends and, uh, you know, restore things that you have harmed and become a better person. That's also a part of this. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So Amy's like, uh, I'm not the bad guy, but speaking of the bad guy, wonder where he'd be. And then she snaps Kennedy from the college into Buffy's backyard. Where Willa Warren is saying Warren's lines from seeing red. You think you can do this to me? That I'd let you get away with this? <laughs> no, thank you. And uh, then Willa Warren is like, I made it happen and I'll make it stop. I killed her. And Kennedy's like, her? Right. And Willa's like, it was your fault, slut. You tricked me and got me to forget. Oh, this is very upsetting. It is. But honestly, like if I had to choose between slowly working through my trauma over the course of like several years in small conversations or just like absolutely being devoured by it and then screaming all of my most deepest feelings, I would choose this route. You know, like it's rough. Yeah. They end up in a decent place. And I think Willow got there a lot quicker than she would have if... (laughs) she hadn't, you know, been turned into Warren. Um, But Kennedy does a great fucking job back here too. Like she's re because she's really listening to what Willa Warren is saying and like calling her him out on the discrepancies. And like, you're saying this, but you said her, but you also said I was there. What are you saying? Yeah. Um, Kennedy says Tara's name And Willow is like, you do not get to say her name. Um, You tricked me into kissing you. And then she sort of cracks, which is, of course, given to Allison because no, I don't care how good of an actor you are. You could never mimic this like shattering Willow uh, moment. I can't hold on. He's winning. I'm being punished. I kissed you for a second, but it was enough. I let her go. We should have been forever, and I let her be dead. Oh, no. Then they give a back and forth to Adam and Allison with Come Back Baby, which I think is, like, I just feel like that's also who directed this. David Solomon. So I think that I think that this was also directed really well, you know, because this is this, this these are good choices. Like we get Allison when we need Allison to make this shit land, but then we also get this really good back and forth of them both on the lawn, crying mm-hmm. and and sort of calling out for Tara. Oof. But this is, I mean, this is like what has sat with Willow f- since we lost Tara, like. There is guilt, there is grief, and there is, I mean, I have never personally had to date or fall in love again after 
my partner died, but that's a real thing. Uh, and I yeah. would imagine that it comes with some really fucking heavy shit like this, even if they're, I mean, you know, the way Tara died was especially violent and sudden, but even without that, it's like, you know, this is, this is hard for her to like be okay with. And I don't know. I just, I just think that it's, it's done really, really well. And I, and I think Kennedy being there, um, not only to kiss Willow, not only to tell Willow that she's sexy, but also to tell Willow that it's okay that she has these feelings is really great. And also, if we're being honest, really gay. So good job, everyone. <laughs> Quite gay. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like this. Uh, what they've chosen to make the key to unlocking the spell. Yeah. Again, I'm just like really I have so many questions about like the mechanics of a penance malediction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And- it's a, it's a wiggly spell at best, <laughs> definitely. Um but I but I do think like if you if you take if you if you believe that the thing that turned Willow into Warren was the fact that that was the punishment she felt she deserved when she had the guilt and felt yeah. like she did this, then then I do think it stands to reason that as she's hearing from Kennedy, not only via this kiss, because Kennedy then kisses Warren Willow and transforms him, her into Willow Willow. But it's like Mm -hmm. not just the kiss. It's also what Kennedy was saying before the kiss, which is you didn't you didn't do this, you know, and like these are the things that Willow needs to hear that she didn't do this. And Willow also needs to hear that it's okay that she feels sometimes like this was her fault uh, and also that it's okay to you know be interested in other people like these were all the things that like I think she had to move through that would help her not feel so guilty because it was the guilt and her feeling like she had done something wrong that allowed the spell to like activate in the first place yeah so Kennedy kisses Willow and Willow poofs back into herself and Kennedy's like hmm (laughs) I am good (laughs) Which I like. Yeah, I do too. Um, and then, and this is when I was like, you know, this is a good little fucking episode because then we circle all, we've circled back to fairy tale, and now we circle all the way back to tea when um, mm-hmm. Kennedy says to Willow, "Are you all right?" And Willow says, "I have no idea. I'm so tired." And Kennedy says, "I'll make you some tea." And then they like walk into the house with their like arms around each other's shoulders, and it's nice and I like it a lot um we we will have more to say about Kennedy clearly as as the season continues but I was reading Jenny uh the AV club review of this episode when it came out and Mm. um you know there was various uh various things about the episode but the quote that I pulled or like the bits of quotes that I pulled were about this uh, the author is Noel Murray, who's still you know is a writer for like the New York Times and yada yada. Um, he's he's a white dude, I should say, as uh, I feel like that's important. And he his his biggest issue with this episode was that he was like Ken- he says Kennedy, who has barely registered as a character in the previous episodes, and who seems so aggressive and unnuanced that it's hard to believe that Willow would be attracted to her. So if I can't buy their relationship, I can't buy the emotional arc of the killer in me. Later in the thing, he also says um, it would be an incredibly powerful moment. Now he's talking about the scene we just described uh again if i cared about kennedy or believed in this coupling and this is what really got me in parentheticals he says 
Why, oh, why couldn't it have been Vi or Amanda? Y'all, we have seen Vi do one and a half things, okay? One and a half, and, and bless Vi's sweet, lovely heart. But like the way that Kennedy, I feel like was picked up and we talked about like a part of the why is because Tara died and that was unfair and everyone was really angry. But also part of the why is like, how are we taking in Kennedy? And, and how are we taking in Kennedy as a woman who speaks like very, very firmly and clearly about the, what the fuck she wants and what the fuck she needs? And the fact that she's a character of color, a woman of color, who is saying what the fuck and what she wants and what she needs. Calling this character at this point unnuanced and aggressive seems absolutely bananas to me. Not believing yeah. that. Yeah. Right? That there's like a way for them to be attracted to each other also seems fucking bananas to me. And then suggesting that we know Vi better than we know Kennedy and that you would believe more in a Vi Willow pairing is just, it just feels like a lot of what we have started to say about the audience reception of Kennedy and will say probably a bit more uh, later on is really captured in this, you know, 2003 AV club review. <laughs> yeah, that's uh Right not great it's not great but and i think like what what we always try to do here uh is look at these because because it's not great but it exists and like there is a lot of division about the character of kennedy and i think there are various reasons for that but i i think that when you have like a text like this and by text i mean this like review of this television episode from the time when it aired you also can really see a lot of what was happening clearly and like that's important that's like really important to bring I think into the conversation so sorry to call you out Noel but um I feel like you're doing fine and I feel like you'll continue to do fine and maybe you even feel differently about what you wrote now who knows but Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. think it's important that we look look back and see where we were with these conversations and what was actually kind of hidden underneath not so well yeah the words yeah hey we should play the white supremacy jingle how about that okay Kristen, you got any cool segues to move us from the white supremacy jingle to the sexual tension awards? <laughs> well, uh, knowing how much Kennedy is present in the nominations, I would say that we are going to uh, do service uh, to all that Kennedy has brought to us so far. So how about Indeed. that transition? <laughs> Welcome back to another installment of the Sexual Tension Awards, the most important democratic process that occurs within the boundaries of our podcast. Today we have, as usual, four slots for you and eight noms to pair within them. Uh, We hope you find these offerings acceptable. In slot number one, you can tell an awful lot about a woman by the way that she leans toward you in her university seating uh, and takes up space on your armrest. It's Kennedy and Vaughn. 
Honestly, like, I know that Kennedy and Willow deserve to take this week, but, like, all I want is a picture of Kennedy and Vaughn in the final round mm. of voting because it is good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Uh, in slot number two, the only coupling that actually kisses in the episode. <laughs> uh, and also they have, uh, you know, they do some important processing. <laughs> Very lesbian. <laughs> it's Kennedy and Willow. Flirting, feelings. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. In slot number three, waiting by the phone for that call from the comic shop to inform them that their one copy of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that they'll have to squeeze into an armchair and read together side by side, each holding one side of the comic book. It's Zandrew. Do you think that it actually wasn't the potentials opening the bathroom door? It was just Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he's curious. (laughs) And it's slot number four. Well, it's my pick. Uh, A love that knows not the boundaries of such man-made constraints as time and space. A love that doesn't even need to have both parties in the room together (laughs) for it to be felt. Mm -hmm. It's Riley and Spike. Riley and Spike! But I'm going to put it in the poll. I probably won't be able to fit it. But in my heart, it will be listed in the poll as Agent Finn and Assface. <laughs> uh, please, please, please let us know how you feel. Cast your vote in our Twitter poll. You can find it at Buffering Cast, and the poll will be live for one week from the air date of this episode. Wow, we're really chugging through this season. Kristen. Yeah, I think it just feels like that because we're desperately trying to cling to <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> keep us, yeah. keep, what if we're just gonna, are we just gonna go back to season six for, we forgot a couple of things in season six. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we left yeah. a couple of trinkets in season three. Yeah, I three. left my wallet in season two, so we'll have to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's true. 13 through. Wow. Um, well, Jenny, I think this was one of my favorite episodes so far of the season, actually. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh little something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. A nice, a nice especially coming off some of the episodes that we've recently gone through where they've just been like either really heavy with exposition or Oof. you know, there's just been like a lot to lift for everyone in this season. And um it was nice to have an episode that was like, here's a clear couple of things. Chip is malfunctioning. Kennedy and Willow are kissing and oh no, Willow's got trauma. Like that's the Buffy, like that's the kind of Buffy formula that I think works the best. So I was happy to like roll around in it for 45 minutes today. (laughs) Hey, you watch episodes however you want, Kristen. (laughs) I just, I just (laughs) print out every frame from the episode and then I spread (laughs) them all. You you Scrooge McDuck through them. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, all right, Jenny. In case they still don't know, tell them who the fuck Listen, you are. Listen, good people. Listen for once and let me tell you that I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. <laughs> and when I'm not watching Buffy, I'm making music. Uh, I, in fact, just released a new song a couple weeks ago, a song I wrote with friend of the pod, Rishi Hereway. Uh, it's called Ghosts, and it's from the forthcoming EP, It's Dangerous to Go Alone, a collection of songs inspired 
by video games. You can pre-order the EP on Bandcamp. You can find my music on your favorite digital music platform. You can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs, and you can join me for live streams on Twitch on a weekly basis. I am Kristen Russo. Uh, still am after all these years. Still Kristen <laughs> Russo. And um, apart from watching Buffy, watching Angel, talking about those shows all the time, I also have been doing work in LGBTQ communities for a very long time. Like, I don't know, 15 years or something. Uh, right now, I do a lot of talks at workplaces and at schools. And you can learn all about that work uh, and the work that I've done previously on my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And you can use that spelling to follow me on Instagram or on Twitter. And if you just don't want either of us singularly, but only together, well, we have a place for you to do that, too. <laughs> Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. And you can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. If you want to support the things that we do here, you can. We have a Patreon. Uh, it's just patreon.com slash bufferingcast. You can also buy some stuff in our merch store uh, or just really have warm and good feelings about all the things that we try to do and sometimes actually do. Everything you need to know about us is on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. You can find Patreon there. You can find our store there. You can find our events there. So have a blast. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Alba Daza with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. And till next time.
sky Heard your voice on the wind Your footsteps just behind mine Your arms around me again But just for a moment I let it be true Just for a moment And I lost you Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.